Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Racing Insiders podcast. I am your host, Kate Dillon from Crate Insider, sitting right next to Steve Hendren from Hendren Racing Engines. And welcome, welcome. If you're here live, drop in any comments or questions. There will be. Um, <laughs> there will be. I know. I should probably do one of those countdown timers. You like, probably need to do like a 20-second delay before you do the intro because you like instantly start with the intro and like nobody's here to listen to your intro but you know who does is here to listen to the intro is the people who listen afterwards well, and then also this ends up being kind of like a little bit of mush time for the people who are going to join live yeah. they don't really care to hear the intro but you know who does is is maybe our our uh our people who listen to the podcast well there's that yeah yeah, yeah. so then that way they don't feel like they're missing anything if they join in live. Because truthfully, there is a delay on our broadcast. Yeah. We're, we're probably at about a 15-second delay, 10 I listen, I listen to a lot of, uh, oh, gun-related podcasts on, or I mean, you know, YouTube-type style podcasts. Right. And one of the things they always do is like about a 20, 20 to 30-second delay because a lot of people don't even get notifications that it's started Well, at least that long. Well, I'll tell you one of course of my... it is gun related, so there may be a deal there, but well, it could be. But I have to tell you that one of my pet peeves in the world is like when people would go live, they're like, they know they maybe announced during the day, hey, I'm gonna go live at 7 p.m. or 8 mm -hmm. p.m. Doesn't really matter. And I'm excited and I think, okay, great, I'm gonna go watch this person live. Mm -hmm. And then for the first eight minutes, all you hear from them is they're just looking at the camera. You know, are we live yet? Are no, we there? No, are we on? no, it's even worse. <laughs> They're like, well, let's just sit here and wait for some more people to get here. Right. Yeah. That's just and, annoying. And shit. what that is, doesn't, isn't that telling me that I'm not very important it, if it I'm somebody that's already there? It is. So uh, I don't, um, I just no, don't I, do that. I, I just, I, I just start going. I've seen that before as well. So, so I find that annoying. So that's yeah. why I go ahead and just get started and, and then uh, yeah, there's a couple get it gun, going. There's a couple of gun tubers that do that same thing. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah, good, good deal, good deal. All right. Um, <laughs> I see some folks are here. I see Christopher is here, and he says, "Wait, Yo. we're gonna wait for more people to get here." No, we are not. <laughs> you know, um, I I just want to appreciate everybody who is here, and and everyone who listens. You know, on the replay. You know, if, and for anybody who is listening on the replay, maybe you're catching the podcast or the YouTube channel or Facebook, whichever. Uh, I, I do just want to shout out that we go live 8 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, and we do that on both uh, Facebook and YouTube. So any of you who are here live, obviously you already know that. But right. for anybody who's listening on the replay, uh, you know, you're welcome to join us. And we take all kinds of questions. But I can't wait to read this. And talk about here. stupid shit sometimes. Well, so. we talk about like current events, yeah. you know, and especially as, you know, our view. How it affects the racing industry. Stuff Absolutely. Like yeah. Or just how it, it uh, affects all of us. Well, as you know, I don't know if you if you knew this. I wouldn't have known it. Um, but you, did you know the Oscars were last night? <laughs> so I, now I can put Christopher Mayer's uh, talk on the screen, screen. He says, Will Smith's wife is in my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you know, I, I don't know what to think about all this quite yet. Her and her bald head. Oh my gosh, wow. Well, Apparently so that was a joke that like was over the top. For Well, so here's the deal. Do you, do you know the deal on this? I do. I, oh, okay. I, I've done, read everything. Okay, I mean so, like yeah. like she has a disease and so that's why right. she's bald. So it's kind of like. But I mean, kudos to Chris Rock for standing there with his hands behind his back and not like, you know. 
kicking Will Smith in the nuts after he got smacked. So, well, I mean, have you ever had somebody come up to you and just hit you? Oh, God, probably years ago, like. I mean, like where you high did... school age or something like that, maybe. Well, you know, actually, there was this time. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Have I told you about the time I was in Detroit? Uh, yeah, I think you did. I don't know. I'm gonna tell everybody else now. So, uh, back in the day, I was a traveling salesman. That really is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just waiting for you know we'd kind of have our whole little group of salespeople. I was waiting for my ride, and I'm just chit chatting with this dude that just you know came up, and I've got my little sales bag, you know, of you know selling cleaner door to door, and this guy's talking to me, and I don't know, we're just jibber jabbering, whatever, and all of a sudden, this girl walks up, has got her keys in her hand, and she decks me right in the face. Oh shit. Right in the face. Like, I didn't do anything. And the guy goes cowering away like a little puppy dog. Apparently that it was his girlfriend. And I don't know. I guess he's not supposed to talk to women or something. (laughs) So then, I mean, I got the license. But I mean, I just stood there. I was stunned. I mean, just I was too in too much of shock because there was no there was no argument or anything. She just came up and decked me like, I mean, she'd be in like jail for the rest of her life. At least today you were in Detroit. I mean, I was definitely in Detroit. Yeah, that was next level. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, but you know, all, all I can say is like, I can relate to the being so shocked that somebody would just come up and hit you right. like out of nowhere. Right. I, you wouldn't have expected that. And it's not like, it's not like Will Smith is, uh, oh, Nick, what's his name? The boxer guy. The, you know, always looks pretty haggard. Um, I don't know. I mean, one of these, one of these guys that definitely looks pretty sketchy and that is known for being violent kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, doctor, guy, whatever. All right. right. And uh, let's see. Do we have any more comments on that? But, you know, it is the Oscars and it's all fake bullshit anyway. So, well, the I'm I'm not not so sure it's not a stage deal. I'll just put it that way. I mean, I, I, you know, I have to agree with you on that. Because, I mean, it was a bitch slap, not a punch to the freaking face. Right. And other than that, I can stand there and take a bitch slap. Well, the thing is, is apparently the big winners, I I just saw the headline today, is that the most nominations, these nominations, not about wins, Mm. but Netflix. So, I mean, like the whole traditional model of the movie studios is completely different than it was. And honestly, the Oscars would have come and gone without even a notice. If it hadn't been, well, of course they had they had shit ratings again because you know all they do is stand up there and preach a bunch of liberal bullshit. So, well, I don't know. I mean, but I think <laughs> if you were to look at how many people have watched and reacted to the Will Smith thing, well, they had to we're do talking that. about it. They had to do something to yeah. boost the ratings. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, we've got some more folks here. I see Dave is here saying hi, racing friends. William yeah. Glass is here saying hello, yeah. and our friend Stu from Australia. Good day, yeah. mates. Good How's night. it hanging? Yep. Yeah. Um, to the gosh. left, <laughs> just straight down. I don't know this gravity <laughs> thing is a bitch. <laughs> I see Roy is here from Oregon, and with with his podcast, definitely check out Roy and the work that he does. Yep. Uh, he does he's got does some great work. And Joe is here, and Chris has a question for us. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, "How much preload on a six hundred two valve, and what's the best timing on a uh, timing? Is it thirty four? Um, so yeah, six hundred twos. I always recommend three quarters of a turn preload, as far as like adjusting the valves. So from zero, you'll go three quarters of a turn. Normally, we'll back up about an eighth on that. Tighten the center adjuster, come back up, and that tightens it down. So uh, you actually had a question last week that somebody asked what what the torque was. 
And I'm sure somewhere there's a torque number, but no, it's by feel, basically. Well, and we actually do have a video on that. It's one of our very first videos yeah. we ever came out with back in 2015. But but yeah, three three quarters of turn preload. Mm -hmm. And um, the and that's the same on a 604 as well. Right. And of course, we show that with a 604. Yeah. I think we call it how to set valve lash yeah. um, or how to adjust springs, something Correct. like that. And we've got a visual for and, it. And uh, as far as timing goes, I'll, I mean, it's going to be fuel variant, but 34 degrees is always safe no matter what fuel you're using. Mm -hmm. And uh, do not go above that unless you're, you have access to like a engine dyno or a chassis dyno. Yeah. You don't want to get. No, it's, it's just always safe. So, yes. I mean, you can go 34 degrees all day long. Yeah. All right, some more comments about the Oscars. Mark says, stupid <laughs> shit is good shit. LOL. Agree. And... Ghetto shit is what it ended up being. But... <laughs> well, and Rose is like alopecia. So, yeah, I mean, I knew that. And I, I guess Steve knows that, too. And for anybody who doesn't know, um, Jada Pinkett Smith has uh, alopecia, which causes her hair to to fall out. Yeah. And uh, she's been open about that. Well, so Yeah, she's. That, I mean, and that's why the joke was made. Well, I but... think being open about something doesn't necessarily mean it's ready to... I don't know. If she, you're ready to be she, about. she tweeted about it, this whole big, long freaking book and talked about how she's going to own it and she's going to take it like, you know, it's a joke and blah, 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 oh. which is why the joke was made. Oh, so. interesting. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So here's a, here's a question. James asks, ordered mm -hmm. springs for my 602 from Crate Insider. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me how to determine if they need to be changed using a spring checker on the engine, not the bench tester? Is there a certain number I'm looking to be above or below? Um, no, there's not. And I'll tell you why. It's because if you're using an on-the-car tester, um, number one, they all vary. Uh, I mean, you can buy the best of the best, which I, I the LSM tester to me is probably one of the best out there. But I'm going to pull that thing a different way than you pull it. And then Kate's going to pull that tester a different way than I pull it and you pull it. So you're going to get three different results. So what I always recommend to my customers is one person does it every week. So when you put a brand new set of springs on, you get a reading, you write down in your little notebook on what the reading is when they're brand new on the car. And then the same person does it every week and pulls that tester. And once you lose about five to eight pounds on seat pressure, it's probably time to like look at changing them. Right. Because really what you're trying to do. And honestly, that equates to if you're at the maximum RPM limit of the 604, which in my opinion is 6,400. And if you're turning that all day long, all the time, you're going to be changing those springs about every three to five races. A 602. 6,400 on a Correct. 602. That's what I'm saying. Well, and you've mentioned before that with the valve spring pressure tester, you want to you want to pull it back until you just feel it break the seat. Yeah. Right. And your version of when it breaks the seat, but it's going to be different when, than mine and your, your right. feelings going to be different. We're just going to feel it different. Right. It's not that there's anything wrong with the tool. So yeah. You've so got the I mean, from pressure like anything else, I mean, somebody, the person that's going to do it every week needs to practice with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, it might take you quite a while to just figure out what, what that feel is right when it breaks the seat. But, well, because you're also turning the engine each time, too. Correct. And <clears throat> I mean, speak, speaking of that, on that note, um, anytime anybody's in tech. Um, so like if you're in a tech situation, I've actually had people thrown out 
because I recommend the three quarters turn preload. Um, so when they're doing that, it actually gives a false reading on the uh, checker. Okay. Sometimes. So like if you're in tech, um, you know, per the rules, I think it's quarter turn preload. So you you should be able to back that off to a quarter rule, quarter turn. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that that was a rule. Well, it's in the GM performance book. Oh, so. okay. So gotcha. it'll give a, it'll it'll give a false reading is what I'm getting at. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Uh, Glenwood Motorsports. Good afternoon from Marion, North Carolina, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, just right down the road for us. Like, it's literally 20, 15 minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah. And who would y'all recommend to rebuild a set of AFCO shocks? Honestly, I mean, if you're looking at AFCO. Ben Baker. Yep. That's exactly who I was going to go with yeah. for sure. So, you know, if you want to send me a message, I can get you Ben's information yep. and, and get you guys connected. Absolutely. Ben is, uh, Ben's brilliant. Yeah. Ben's freaking love he's ben. Badass, man. yeah he's so well-rounded and so knowledgeable yep. yes yeah. and that's ben baker from afco yes so <laughs> yeah he travels all over the country and and he's is, in the know everywhere and, yeah he's you know. he's really and he doesn't elevated. only do afcos as no. he does other shocks as well so. right and so he can really recommend some good solutions there. and if he has no time to do it because he's so busy or whatever he can at least give you a really good recommendation on yeah. On who to go with. I would agree. I would agree. Um, all right. Brian has a question. 602 on asphalt with a 6400 mm -hmm. RPM chip. Is it wasting power to be on the limiter before the corners? A quarter to a 3.8 mile tracks? Um, yes and no. So um, I think on a quarter mile track, if it's a stop and go type of quarter mile, and even on a 3.8, if it's stop and go, in other words, you're you're shut down on the damn corners. You're going to stick a bunch of gear to that thing to get it off the corner. Then no, it's not. Um, I, I, I think you're better off with the gear to get off the corner because you're going to pass more people coming off the corner than you are getting in the corner. So no, I would, I would be happy hitting the chip a hundred feet before the corner, but able to pass two guys because I got more gear. Now, if you look at like a half mile track or something like that, I've seen scenarios I've witnessed it firsthand, actually, like places like Pittsburgh, where people have, uh, and this is on dirt, but they're in the chip the entire way, way around the track. And to me, that makes no sense. So mm -hmm. I would certainly, uh, there are certain scenarios. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a momentum style track, in other words, you're just pretty much not lifting around the place, then no, you don't want to be in the chip at all. But if it's stop and go, then yeah, it, it's I don't think it's it's hurting you whatsoever, especially on asphalt because I mean it's slowing you down, getting in the corner. Now, would that be the same advice if you were on <clears throat> dirt as well? Yeah, honestly, it would be. Yeah. Right, and and I know you've um, you've raced a lot more dirt, obviously, than asphalt. But you, yeah, you've I've given raced your asphalt hand. a few times, but yeah, I mean I've got customers obviously and, racing asphalt. Well, that was going to be my other comment is you have yeah. lots of customers that that uh, race yeah. on asphalt, exactly for sure. Great. Um, any questions you guys have, feel free to drop them into the comments. Um, I, I know another request I had was if you could talk a bit about distributors <clears throat> and locking them out, um, kind of the difference between a not locked out versus a locked out, yeah. how to lock them out and why you lock them out, like the whole lockout thing. Well, I mean, it depends on the distributor, obviously, but like one of the main things, like if it's a dirt car, do not have an advanced curve in that thing. 
I mean, it needs to be locked out no matter what. Well, what is an advanced curve? I mean, let's go to the very, very basics. The very, very basics. You got the, uh, now I'm going to like use my hands here. That's fine. I will describe your hands. (laughs) So you got the distributor, you got weights. Uh, with springs attached to them. I mean, I'm dumbing this down, but you got weights yeah, no, with we springs attached to yes. them. So, you know, if you're at, let's say, if you are got the timing light on a on a engine at 1,000 RPM, you might have 15 degrees of timing. But if you wind it up to, let's say, 4,000, then those springs and those weights swing out and it advances the timing to where, like, you've got a total timing of let's say 34 degrees okay Okay. but at a thousand rpm or 1500 rpm you might have like 15 or 20 degrees okay right so is this kind of like the carnival ride with the swings that are swinging around it's the same principle i mean it's just it's yeah like centrifugal force centrifugal force exactly so which is really old school technology but i mean that's what we have to deal with with what we're racing with here but at any rate um, so yeah, any dirt car, you absolutely need to have that distributor locked out if per your rules, it's legal. There are some series where it's not. Well, locking um, it out though. So that was the advanced curve piece, but we don't want to lo- have. Locked out means like if you're timing at a thousand RPM, it's at 32 or 34 degrees, whatever. Okay. And then if it's at 4,000, it's at 32 or 34 degrees. Great. Right. Great. So that's what I recommend on dirt. Asphalt can be a little bit different. Uh, scenario because a lot of times people use the advanced curve to not build the torque so instantly to where it you're not blowing the tires off the car as you're getting off corner great and then with locking them out there's a few kits out there where you can yeah like the the hei stuff like you sell one um yeah i'm out of uh, them right now but yeah yeah like you sell a kit that that actually phases the distributor correctly and it locks it out and all that stuff. That's, that's a great kit to for use. HDIs. And then I think MSD Correct. has one for, it, their, yeah, so yeah. for their, some of their other Correct. ones, but then you can also buy them locked out. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what we sell the most of. Or, the, you know, unlock whatever. I mean, there's, what is the 85505? Yeah. The 85505 is, is the black version and then 85501. But it's unlocked. Oh, it is, but it from has. From the factory. I, if that's. Um, it's, is it the one that's black? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the 8555. Well, I think it's 85501 then. We'll have to take a look at them. Yeah, I don't remember the part numbers off the top of my head, but it's like one one of the two of those. Like, it comes with an advanced curve in it. Okay. But then you can also take all that out and pop the gear off, lift the shaft up, swap it around, and it'll lock out itself. Does it have instructions in the box? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, it says, and both of those actually says something about the lockout thing. Yeah. But then there's the 85551, which is a little bit different. It's a red one. And, yeah. Um, and and you I mean, got the 85555. And I don't know. There's several of them out there. But, yeah. I mean, you'd have to look it up. But Right. No, no, no. I mean, I it would be great to, to do that. Um, oh, all right. So, we got a new question here. And Rosa asks, how often should you bleed brakes and clutch? Okay, that's a, like a really good question. Um, and reason being is because you should do it quite often. Really? Uh, yes. Um, okay. Not necessarily that. I mean, the the brakes, like if you go to your race logic chassis school, 
both the uh, late model version and the street stock version that you did this year. Um, what you're going to find is so brake fluid attracts moisture. Moisture lowers the bo boiling point of the brake fluid. And actually, Ben Baker, who we just yeah. spoke about earlier, has a really good presentation on brake fluid when it comes to this stuff. So good. So and good. he goes really in depth as far as, you know, how often you should do this. Um, and common mistakes, how to bench bleed brakes. Because apparently in master cylinders, there's all kinds a, of little cavities deal, yeah. in there. And But no, I mean, uh, so how go, go, going off of that, if I remember correctly, what his recommendation was, I think like once every month. Okay. You should, you know, bleed the brakes, put fresh fluid in there and all that stuff. And when it comes Because especially when you're racing in human environments. So if you're, let's say Florida up to Pennsylvania on this side of the country, mm -hmm. you probably need to be bleeding or, you know, changing that fluid every three, four races or which would equate to once a month. Um, if you're in Arizona, yeah, not so much. Well, and with that, you definitely want to be using um, a racing brake fluid. Correct. Because, I mean, that's why there's an AFCO brake fluid that I have on my shelf very specifically because it has a hot boiling point that is meant for racing brakes. And it's also meant to have water contamination in it. Correct. It, it It's already yes. meant, it's meant to be able to do that. Correct. And then as far as clutches, it, it's interesting. I mean, the clutch, the clutch is going to work or it's not. It's not something that's hot. Your brakes get hot. So in other words, at the caliper, your brakes are heating up. And if you've got water in the system, it's going to be boiling that water at the caliper. And then you get a spongy pedal. You get all sorts of problems that you don't need to have when you're racing. Well, but I do have to say, I've, I've had customers call. I had a dad call me one day and he, his son races and goes through clutches like, I mean, like candy, right? <laughs> But ever since he switched over to the Daytona one transmission fluid, mm -hmm. the dirt track trans fluid, he's not rolling. So you're talking, he's not like going through. You're, you're talking about a bird or a brand or something like that. Probably like yeah. a Midwestern it, guy, like, a, be, yeah. like the modified guys right. and not going through, um, not going through clutches every right. five minutes. Like he was, right. the, the kid had been through like three clutches the season before. Right. Well, what, and this what, one he hadn't what, been through. What this is referring to is the brake fluid that you use going from the master cylinder to the transmission that engages the clutch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. That's a totally, Sorry. Totally, I mean, totally different. I hear clutch. I hear transmission, right. you know, um, yeah, totally. Different I just thing. sell the stuff. I don't put it together. Right. <laughs> but brake fluid's cheap. So use it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Scott's here. He says hi from California. Yep. Hello. And, and Dave has a follow up. He says, what do you think about the Willwood 570? Uh, gosh, I used that for years in my own car and, and I never had a problem with it. Is that the brake fluid? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I used it for, for God, forever. Well, I mean, in Willwoods, I mean, those are the master cylinders. I mean, one thing I learned is that with the cost of master cylinders, just the way you have to think about them is that this is a consumable piece every year. Do yourself a favor. That is another good and, point and that, that Ben brought up. Yeah, yeah, these are a $50, $60 part. And you could have expensive master cylinders that would last you a long time, but then no, nobody would want to spend the money to buy expensive right. master cylinders. So just know that, like, it's just disposable. to get ahead of it, make it a disposable yeah. part. I mean, I, I hate to be wasteful like that. Don't, don't, don't run a 40-race season and then go back and try to run a second 40-race season the next year without replacing your master cylinders. 
it's so it's an inexpensive part in the, in the grand scheme of things. Part, yeah. yeah. So uh, plan on plan on doing that. So that was that was news to me, right? For sure. And as is brake fluid, brake fluid is cheap and disposable. Mm-hmm. So agreed, agreed. And anytime we can have those maintenance things that are going to give us way more life, and and I think the bigger thing is just I mean I, not I, having the issues, not having the problems. Right. You don't want to be at the track and like you're just you're just not having the response that you want and you, you just don't want that. I mean, I mean, everybody's, everybody's, I assume has bled brakes to where, you know, you poured fresh, clean, clear brake fluid in your, in your master cylinder and you go to bleed the brakes and it's black, nasty, gummy looking shit that comes out the other end. Well, that's due to that, that brake fluid getting boiled mm -hmm. and, you end up with spongy brakes and the whole nine yards. So, yeah. Yeah. But again, I also say being an engine builder, I can relate to that. So change your fucking wall. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> cheapest insurance. Because I say go four races, don't go fucking eight. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 For sure. Um, oh. And David has a question. He says, uh, one six rockers make a big difference on the 604? It's about 10 horsepower. So if you've got the op option to do that, I would. Uh, I had a, actually had a customer call me today uh, from South Carolina area asphalt deal. And um, they're actually allowed to, to use either the one five or the one six. So, yeah, um, just, just going from one fives to one sixes straight across the board. Not even staggering them, you're looking at 10 horsepower. Nice. Yeah. Good to know. I like that. Yeah, it's always interesting to see the different rules in uh, dirt versus asphalt. Yeah, I mean, asphalt's a lot more lenient normally. I mean, they're a little more, I don't know, just they, they've got, because it's asphalt and they have so many fucking rules in asphalt, it's ridiculous. Yeah, true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I guess the uh, the engine builders didn't get a hold of them. And, well, like, or maybe they did. Uh, I don't know. No, it's, it's just, hard to say. It's just how it is. No, it, it's just a different different kind of a culture along right. with that. Exactly. For sure. Um, any other questions you guys have, feel free to drop them in. Happy to answer any of those. You're going to get another beer? Totally am. Okay. Okay. And Steve, is in, Steve went to go to beer, so now we're going to talk about him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I mean, you're like right there. It's fine. You just set it in the counter. It's right. fine. All right. Beer's in the fridge. All right. Um, yeah. So I'm just waiting, waiting for him to get back now. And I don't see any questions. I see Jerry is here saying hi, Kate and Steve. So hello, Jerry. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Anything and, else in the in the world? And here? one day it might warm up, so we can actually move this operation back outside where we started. <laughs> yeah, this is our pretend outside with our fake trees Good in the background. God. That's funny that you thought I painted this, and I did not. Uh, the trees, but that was really nice. I painted something sim similar. Yeah. In one of the other apartments, but yeah. Oh, and uh, Rosa. Oh, here we go. Rosa asks, "Why does Steve think that Iowa doesn't exist?" It just started as a joke, right? I mean, it started as a joke, but I mean, does it? it but it does, yeah, because I grew up there. I'm real. Do I need to slap you across the face? So I you mean, know that I'm real. Yeah, you better. 
<laughs> no, I don't do that anymore. Do I need to make fun of your bald head? No. Oh, wait, you don't have a bald head. No, though. I do not. No, because not. it doesn't. I mean, I was like flyover country. Oh, my gosh. The ultimate flyover country. So, wow. You don't, I mean, nobody even knows if it's, I mean, should it be a state? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like sausage? Do you like corn on the cob? I know you always cut it off, but do you like sausage and do you like Those corn are on the cob? Those are some pretty phallic questions there. Well, they are, but that is <laughs> that is all about some Iowa right there. Right. Sausage and corn on the cob. Yeah, pigs and corn. Yeah. And some soybeans too. So if you like okay. those things, you better like Iowa. I don't like soybeans. Well, well, you know what? I'm sure that they're in probably 90% of every one of the other foods that you buy that is packaged. I do like corn. Yeah. Best sweet corn in the world. I, mean, I can grow that in my own yard. <laughs> and then we <laughs> laughed. <laughs> no, not like Iowa corn. You can't. Okay. Oh, there's a huge difference. If you were to have Iowa corn. Mm. It's like Idaho spuds. No, no. There's a sweetness to <clears throat> Iowa corn. I mean, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You just can't even imagine. If you've never had Iowa sweet corn, <coughs> it's I don't a whole other level. They grow corn in Mexico. So. I'm just telling you, that with that black dirt, way better mm-hmm. racing most of the time and, and amazing. The corn. only reason I, I honestly do believe Iowa exists is because they do have some badass racetracks there. Yeah, they really do. Yes. He just likes to make a joke. Just not, just not. He likes to rile people up. Well, I mean, especially like Dave Hammond. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Half the reason I said it doesn't exist. I'm sure. We don't even know if Dave exists. Dave exists. I know. (laughs) He does exist. All right. Andy has a question. Hey, Stephen, Kate, six hundred four IMCA modified one inch open spacer or no spacer? One inch open. Absolutely, a thousand percent. Okay, because the only um, one they can run is either that Moroso phenolic. Yeah, or they're the stuck Speedway. with a piece of shit. And hey, Andy, yeah. how you doing, buddy? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, one inch open, hundred percent. Um, we we've we haven't tested that specifically, but I have tested you know four holes versus no spacer because like a lot of asphalt stuff out here has got you know options for different spacer sizes or none and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, you need one inch open. Great. And Stu has a question. He says, hey, Steve, do you have a preference for pedal setups when it comes to floor mount or hanging pedals? Um, yeah, absolutely. Hanging. I've always used hanging. Is that um, just a preference or is any advantage? Well, no, it's to me, it's. I guess probably a preference. I mean, I don't know. I've, I, I mean, I've tried them both. I mean, usually floor mount stuff you'll see in asphalt, but uh, hanging stuff, you know, primarily in dirt. Um, yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's hanging. With the hanging, does that also make it a little bit more adjustable so that you could... You've got quite a bit of adjustment, yes. Whereas if you've got on the floor, I mean, you, you really kind of have to tailor that to the to the racer right. and the seat and all of that. A um, right. little less room for error, would you say? Yeah, probably. Great. I mean, I mean, you got to think you got. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, let's see. Like a cross section. I mean, if you're looking at like the hanging stuff, like your your pedals are higher than generally your your brake calipers. So, you know, normally if you get like a air situation, it's going to be at the 
pedal, not at the caliper. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Where like floor mount, it could be you got issues at the caliper rather than the pedal. Gotcha. And Wayne is here from Florida. And my gosh, I forgot the most important part about Iowa. What? Bacon. 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 Is Iowa bacon good? Oh my, I mean, pigs. I was saying sausage, well, I mean, but bacon. I don't know bacon. Shit. Do, you, do you like bacon? I've never been to fucking Iowa. I have no idea. I don't even know where it's at. Well, um, you go up to Pennsylvania and you turn left. Okay. And pretend you're going to California, but you stop halfway there. Okay. And there you are. Yeah. I-80. I got you. It could be Nebraska too, but. Well, uh, Nebraska. I do know Nebraska exists. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, that's, yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. And uh, here's a question. Tyler says, hello, guys. Steve, have you built an IMCA 305 Sprint motor? No, I never have. No. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of an I mean, IMCA yeah. 305. I, 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 I mean, know. there's IMCA, right? And then there's 305 sprints. But I didn't yeah, know I, that those two existed. Yeah, in the I, same I don't either. I'm sentence. not a big IMCA guy, so no, I'm sorry, I haven't. Well, and you're out so far outside of the area of where IMCA travels. Yeah, are. I mean, it's just not something you're, that would I mean, be in our realm. Of, being in the east of the Mississippi makes a big difference. I mean, when we were in California, we were doing IMCA stuff, but I mean, there was all that claimer bullshit and everything. Well, that was also a long time ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> half a fucking life ago, actually. That it was. All right, now we have a carb question. Mm-hmm. James, a lot of times we struggle in carb questions. Well, yeah, I'm not the carb we'll expert. My brother is, but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try. Answer. No, he says, carb question. Engine flutters at wide open throttle halfway down the straights. Floats are set correctly. Everything is fine and idle. Good throttle response, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Would the rear jets being too rich cause that issue? It's a 602 on a 600 CFM carburetor. Okay, so what are we calling the floats being set correctly? That would be my first answer or first question. Mm-hmm. Um, where are they? Uh, what is the fuel pressure? What kind of fuel are you using? Great. Okay. So we'll wait for those answers because yep. that's going to make a big difference. All of those. I mean, every single one of those things is such a major factor. And, you know, I guess yeah. you could speak to that a little bit. But like you said, well, I mean, how do you know when your floats are set? A lot of times, I mean, before he, ans- before he answers the questions I just threw back, um, if you're Usually, if you got a halfway down the straightaway problem, you got a fuel supply issue. Oh. Um, normally, rather than a carburetor issue. But again, it's going to depend on the variables of what I just asked, because mm-hmm. it could be a carburetor thing as well. But yeah, any any <clears throat> any time that you've got uh, something going on down the straightaway, when the car is straight, not rolled over, not rocked up, doing all that stuff, then yeah, you normally you've got a fuel supply issue of some sort. Well, I think that would be another question, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but would this be a good thing to ask as well about if, whether he has a bypass regulator? Mm, I mean, I mean that could come in, into the equation at some point, but that that's not first on my list of what I'm Okay. I mean, because about. it does, with a bypass regulator, you would it would help you have a consistent fuel supply. Well, that right? and, you know, obviously a belt drive pump or something like that. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, my first... My, First thought process is going to be a fuel supply issue of some sort, but we'll see what he comes up with there as far as what I asked. Okay, great. So he says that mm-hmm. his front float is halfway up the sight glass. Mm-hmm. The rear is a tick higher. Yes, I have a regulator. 
and he's running seven PSI mm -hmm. with 93 octane. Okay. So normally one of the common mistakes, especially if this is like a long straightaway type of racetrack, one of the common mistakes people make is the floats in the center of the side class. So what ends up happening a lot of times is, and especially, I mean, if you've, if you've got a corner issue, especially, so in other words, you're, it may be a fluttering issue of some sort going down the straightaway, but when you're in the corner and you get a dead stumble, a lot of times what people end up doing, they got that float level in the center of the side glass. And at the end of the straightaway, the floats drop, floats dropped all the way can drop. Okay. So you end up damn, you're out of fuel gotcha. <laughs> at the end of the straightaway. So you could be running out of fuel as you're going down the straightaway. So what would be and the fix to that to adjust the floats? Raise the floats up mm -hmm. to the top of the sight glass. Okay. And then now this may be something you have to work with as far as like corner entry, because if the car is up, rocked over, you could be blowing over out of the back, out of the back vent tube mm -hmm. and then causing a rich stumble in the middle of the corner. So it's something you got, you got to play with a little bit, but. I mean, or what you can actually have going on is a, just an absolute fuel supply problem of some sort. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, all of that made really good sense to me, though, Steve. I mean, I, all of that really came together. But what? Uh, and he says, but he actually does say that the fuel pressure never fluctuates during the issues. Okay. So if the fuel pressure never fluctuates, what, um, what kind of carburetor is it to start with? 600 i know that well but. yeah he was a it was a uh, uh i believe it was a yeah it's a 600 cfm right yeah mm -hmm. but i mean right but i know you want to did know somebody it's build a, it is it a poly uh, style box, is it a straight on the box stock. deal or is it you know mm -hmm. 600 billet is it <laughs> right right and i'm sure he'll post that here because each of those would present or maybe you've just had experience with that particular kind of carburetor. It, it, it could be Honestly, it could be one each everything. <laughs> but carburetors but are like the, we're, the biggest. If we're going to try to identify it here in the next ten minutes, I mean, yeah, we're, we're probably pissing in the wind. But I'm going to give you some ideas that will probably help you. Well, well, some things to try to check anyway. Figure figure out what's going on. It, it can't it can't hurt. Because yep. you guys have seen you know lots of things. I know your brothers. I mean, normally normally at seven psi is fine, um, especially if it's not fluctuating. So I mean that that's a good thing which is going to lead me to believe that you have a, a, uh, probably a float level issue. Yeah. So that'd be your number one thing is, or the cliff nodes version is probably just try to adjust, raise the float bowl. Yeah. And how big of a track is that? I mean, if we're yeah. talking a half mile it track, it's a, it's a Holly 600. Mm -hmm. It's got the dual metering blocks, center hung float bowls, et cetera. Stock center section built by a local builder. Yeah. Local builder might be half the problem. Um, What uh, what size track are we talking about? Okay, I don't know. We'll find out here in our fifteen second delay. <laughs> and I should I should have that I should have a delay on this end so that I can beep you every time you swear. Right. You know, so <laughs> I'm sure I'll I'll he'll let us know here right. in just a second. Um, but I know you've dealt with a lot of bunch of those for sure. The holly carbs. I mean, you know. Haven't you? Well, not not not, not really, not the, just because it's not something that's normally in our wheelhouse anymore. Well, not anymore because um, you anymore, do all the billet but, stuff. Yeah, years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've seen a ton of that. Yeah. And then we got another question up here. We'll get to as soon mm -hmm. as we get through this one here. So you just want to know what the size of the track is. Well, and how would that affect your answer? Well, because of the straightaway length. 
Okay. So if it's so, I mean, my what we're just what's being described right now is you're running out of fuel. Right. Yeah. He says it's a three eighths mile asphalt, um, mm -hmm. medium banked on the throttle a lot. Yep. You're running out of fuel. Okay. Raise the foot level. Great. Great. And see what that does. And I would be at the top of the site flows. Good. Good deal. Um, no, that was a that was a great conversation. Yep. So, all right. Um, and back talking about pedals. Mm -hmm. And let's see here. Uh, oh gosh, we got all kinds of questions up here. All right. Oh, Rosa says, uh, "Preach, Kate." She also said, <laughs> "Steak is also an Iowa thing too." Steak, it's what's for dinner. Um, um, Bobby Amanda Miller here says, "Would changing the 602 valve springs to something around 120 pounds of seat pressure improve engine performance, and would it be okay on the camshaft?" Uh, it would not improve it, and I'll tell you why. It's because this is a hydraulic lifter engine, and what the common mistake people make is they go out and they buy these, you know, high pressure valve springs, mm -hmm. thinking that oh, you know, hey, I'm going to increase horsepower. So what you actually end up doing is actually losing horsepower because a hydraulic lifter engine, the more over the nose, meaning peak, uh, so, you know, the nose of the cam, lifter, peak valve lift, if you've got too much pressure, you're actually bleeding that lifter down mm. and losing lift. Gotcha. So no. Because you're making it work harder. You're more pressure, you're more pressure, you're losing lift. So, no, it will not. Interesting. Um, I would recommend, like, if it's a scenario where you can run an aftermarket valve spring, then I would run an aftermarket valve spring, you know, if it's legal, mm -hmm. then I would run an aftermarket valve spring, but I would be, I would stick very close to stock pressure. Good to know. All right, David has a question saying 604, quarter, quarter inch carb spacer or a one inch spacer for a 604. Uh, one, one inch. Okay. Um, that's if you have those two choices. But yeah. If you have those two choices. Yeah. But I normally recommend a five eights. Mm -hmm. So HVH makes a five eight spacer, which I found to be the best of both worlds. So you lose no top end power over a one inch, but you pick up low end torque over everything else. Good deal. And quarter inch, not enough. Half inch, not enough. To me, the five eights is the perfect. Um, I will tell you like what we, the, it's like the compromise. No, in my office, you know what we call that? We call that that's the Goldilocks. The Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in my office, we have we have a couple of go-tos. Well, we have lots of phrases, but one is that's the Goldilocks principle. So it's not right. too not too much, not I've too little, that. and it's Goldilocks. <laughs> the other one we use in our in our office is prices right rules. As close as you can get without going over. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so is it Goldilocks rules right. or is it prices right <laughs> rules? And those are things that really, if Tori or Curtis were on this call right now, they would definitely say yes. No, this is like no, I mean, here. don't get me wrong. I mean, if we're talking, I'm talking like numbers here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm not talking winning or losing a race. So if you got a one inch spacer or a quarter, mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to. Hang on the table. No, because it messes with my phone. You got a one inch spacer or a quarter inch spacer. The difference between winning and losing a race is probably not going to be that spacer. Right. Yeah. But if you're I, but if you're looking for everything that you can get, mm -hmm. best compromise ever is going to be that five eighths HVH. 
Oh, now this is going to be an interesting question. I do have to say, Ken had a comment about the pedals. He says, uh, to me, mm -hmm. the floor mount has a different pedal feel. Yeah. And, yeah, I would, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but Jeremy has an interesting mm -hmm. comment here. I got about halfway through it. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, Steve, if torque is what we chase as, as crate dirt oval racers, mm -hmm. then why do we chase horsepower instead of retarding the timing some and trying to make more torque? And I hope this question makes sense. To you. Um, because I have yet to see a scenario where we retard the timing and gain torque. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if we're talking like 602, 604s, um, that's not been the case and a lot of it's fuel, you know, fuel related. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, E85, stuff like that. I mean, which is why we're chasing torque is we're running those fuels. We're advancing the timing like tremendously. I mean, is it, is it a general rule that if you retard the timing though, that you would gain more horsepower? No. Is that a, okay. No. That's not a thing. Okay. No. I mean, if you look at some, some of the newer engines out there, like, let's say, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's take my Dodge Charger. Oh, I was going to say that yours or Alex's where you guys right. can, we so, can do all these little adjustments. So, yeah, the when, you, when, you, when you've got like perfect deal where you've got fuel injection and you've got everything and you can graph it out, then yeah, you know, gaining horsepower top end is going to be, you know, your retarded time. But I mean, as far as like gaining torque on this application, no. I've not seen to where, where you're going to gain more torque by returning the timing. Very interesting. Matter of fact, I mean, matter of fact, I mean, normally if you're running any of this stuff like too retarded for timing, you're, you're not only losing torque, but you're also gaining heat in the engine. Mm, we don't want that. No. Heat is bad. Right. Yeah. Well, too much anyway. Again, Goldilocks principle. <laughs> and Tori yeah. is here to agree with me because she says, faux show. Because <laughs> that's what she said. Because that's evil assistant Tori. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing assistant Tori. She's like rocking in here at the last minute. Like, yeah. Oh, show. Um, Ken is here. He, he has another comment. He says, hey, guys, mm -hmm. I'm sure this has been asked before, but here we go. How much gain would you expect to see going from 98 octane race gas to a E85 on a 602, both with David Smith carburetor? Um. From 98 race gas to E85 on a 602, like I've done it a bunch of David stuff, so I know what his stuff does. Mm -hmm. I would look to see probably mm, at takeoff. So in other words, like on my chassis dyno at between 1,500 and 2,000 RPM, I would expect to see probably 30, 35 foot pounds of now, torque. Now, I, I don't know. Overall top end horsepower. It's probably going to be somewhat the same, but the low end torque is what you're going to pick up. Now, I don't know if you guys measure this at all. Maybe you do. I mean, it should be able to be graphed, but have I know one thing we've looked at before is the responsiveness. So acceleration rate is what you're asking about. Like, yeah, from yeah. from court from <clears throat> first corner to the flag stand. Yeah. And, you know, just like, you know how some of the, like CHP we've talked about for a long time where you slam the pedal and it's like, wow, now it's going to get started. Any, anytime you produce torque, you increase acceleration. Okay. So one is tied to the other. Okay. So absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're going to probably see, again, at that RPM range, you're going to see that kind of an increase, which is what we want. Right. Because the more torque we can produce taking off. The more gear we can pull out of the car mm -hmm. and the more mile an hour we can gain. 
Well, and, and so that's really going to be the biggest significant difference between the 85 and yeah. the, uh, the 98 octane is just that responsiveness. Um, the just absolute responsiveness to at least get you going. It's torque. quicker. Exactly. Right. I, you call it torque. I'm calling it responsiveness, right. but you know, it's going you know, to get you, get you going faster. Right. That's most important here. And, um, Oh, and, and Don mentions that uh, 5250, I believe, is where the torque and the horsepower always correct. meet. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is correct. Yeah. All right. Ooh, uh, Jeremy says, is the crank case... Because horsepower okay. is torque times RPM divided by 5250. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yes, and people said that, like, math would never... You, you never needed math, but... I know you use a lot of math. Good God. You know, I broke my calculator. My calculator just stopped like working. I don't like math. I don't like the maths. I love math. I think math is racist. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just repeating what I've heard on, you know, the news media. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> this, you know, there are people who do the maths and there are people who do not do the maths, but right. you know, I, I'm going to do the maths because the maths is what, yeah. um, Will propel my success into the future. It usually determines whether I'm buying an ultra or not buying an ultra. There you go. The maths. The maths. <laughs> I know because it's such a British thing to call it the maths. <laughs> but um, <coughs> no, um, my calculator just stopped working the other day. Right. And you have no idea. I didn't know how much. Oh, I, used I do have an idea. I um, had that happen. Oh well, I didn't know how much I used it. Yeah. Until I just go, okay, I'm gonna. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, definitely you, to you ought to see me, you ought to see me trying to draw a material profile for a CNC machine when I don't have a fucking calculator that works. Oh. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm just constantly figuring. I mean, I use math right. every single day, and it's not that I can't do long division and things. It's just you know I do how to do it. So they're they're for well, somebody who failed geometry in high school, like absolute fucking failed it. Amazing that you're doing a CNC and machine. had to teach myself how to do geometry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a challenge. I'll bet. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't dig. I like. You know why I like geometry? I don't know why anybody likes geometry because it's a fucking horrible math. No, plan pool. That's why I suck at pool. Pool is all about geometry. Yeah, I know. And I loved. I loved playing pool. Yeah, it was I a suck, lot of fun. That's why I suck at pool and suck at geometry. Okay. Because well, you know, I suck fair. at geometry, so I suck at pool. Yeah. Unless I'm really. Drunk. I mean, I'm not like a shark. If I'm, re if I'm really drunk, I'm good at pool. Well, you think you're good. Yeah. Well, no, I win. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Is, is the key to make sure... Against you... other equally bad players. Not, not against anybody who actually knows how to play I pool. mean, this sounds just like a race to the bottom to see who could be the drunkest. It absolutely is. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> All right. And, oh, and as a follow-up, Jeremy says, uh, just curious and had to ask, because I've always heard retarding the timing makes more torque. So thanks for answering. No, that was a really yeah, great, yeah, Jeremy, no, that was such a great discussion point. I'm so glad we got to talk about yeah, that. And I won't. I mean, we can get into a long discussion on why it does or doesn't and blah, blah, blah. But no, I mean, that's, I not, that's to, not today. Yeah. <laughs> and then a different Jeremy, but Jeremy mm -hmm. um, has crank case evac system. Mm -hmm. Is it worth messing with on a 604? It will improve some power. Yes, it will. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it if you're on dirt. And the reason being is because none of the seals in the entire engine are meant to pull a vacuum. So in other words, 
if you don't give a shit about your 604, then yes, run that. If you do care about it, in other words, if you're, you know, not a millionaire and you can't buy freaking five 604s every year, or, you know, not even millionaire, just whatever, 100,000 air, then no, I'm not a fan of it. And the reason being is because it, again, none of the seals in the entire engine are designed to pull a vacuum. And neither are the valve cover breathers or anything else. So if you're pulling a vacuum, all you're doing is sucking dirt in the engine. If it's an asphalt scenario, 1,000% run it. Well, I think the other follow-up on that, too, was it would you also concede that it would also be depending on where you are in the country? Because on the East Coast here where we can we can freshen them, we can rebuild them, there's, you know, we don't have, we don't have the same it, limitations no, to, to, as to, you have West of the Mississippi and IMCA country. To, to me, it comes back to budget. Well, so what, what's your budget? Again, if you're willing to go, oh, yeah, I'm rebuilding my motor every 15 races because you can. Yeah, have at it. I mean, it's going to gain power. No I, doubt about it. A lot of I these mean, goes to IMCA country, and it doesn't seem to be a problem. Right. Well, I mean, if that's the case out there. But you've got different parameters rich, for what you're running. If you're a rich Iowa pig farmer, have at it. But, I mean, to me, it's not worth it. Okay. But I'm also the guy that rebuilds them, so I try to, like, make people make their engines live. <laughs> And uh, so Tori it reports she didn't just sort of show up at the last minute. She's been here since Jada Smith. So oh, really? that's from the like that's starting right. from the very beginning. All right. Very good place to start. Tori, how's right. your Propecia working? This just week? stop it. <laughs> and uh, James says says horsepower equals how hard you hit the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and torque is uh, how much of the wall you take with you. <laughs> there you go. I love that. I love that. And. All right, next question. Don says, um, a smaller carb takes advantage of more timing. A bigger carb can make do with less timing jet accordingly. So. I'm sorry, what? A smaller a carburetor takes advantage of more timing. A bigger carb can make do with less timing. So I guess small carb, big timing, bigger I, carb, I, small I'm, timing. I'm sorry, man. I I do not understand that one bit. Yeah, I don't think you've got that. We don't have any data it, that supports that. That makes, honestly, to me, no sense. Okay. Um, well, you'd have to test that in order to figure out. Well, and it's it's interesting. What I mean, I mean, I mean, mo mo most everything to do with ignition timing nowadays, if we're talking 602s and 604s, are going to be fuel, fuel related. Yeah. Not carburetor size. But I have seen the trend where, you know, when I, I think back in like 2013, 2014, is we had some 750s. Then now, then it was 650s, right. CFMs, and now we're kind of squeezing into the 600 CFMs. Well, I mean, back in those days, we weren't running E85 and stuff either. No, we weren't. So we were running 750s on CHP and around 34 degrees. Right. And anything over that, you were losing power. Right. So, I mean, that is actually counterintuitive to what was just said there. Oh, okay. I mean, I was just talking about the trend that we've we've really seen in the last, yeah. you know, seven, eight years here. I mean, we're going smaller and smaller and smaller on shit mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And not really changing the but, timing. Well, we're gaining airflow or let's say velocity mm -hmm. on what we're what we're doing now. Well, I've got a few few ways of doing that. You've got the carburetor and the air filter base. You know, we're finding these different pieces to be able to deliver the, you know, the air fuel. Looking ratio. for every last little bit for the customer, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and uh, Don was referring to four bar barrels versus two barrels. Well, I'm yeah. still referring to four barrels. Okay. So, unfortunately, I mean, no, that makes no sense. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, my goodness, we are almost at the hour. Um, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to share for the week? Not really. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say I'm grateful right now that we're not at war yet. So I'm gonna be grateful every day. <laughs> There's that. I'm gonna be grateful every single day that we are not in World War Three. Even though our stupid freaking president tried to get in it, get us into it this last every week day. with his shit show of performance in Europe. Oh, I know. I know. Oh. I was telling Steve right before the show. I also am feeling less weird about my food prepping that I did during the uh, pandemic lockdown stuff. And uh, he, I'm feeling yeah. less weird. I'm feeling less weird about the fact about how much food is around here. You, God, I wish you could point a camera towards your thing up there, where oh, like you got all your the rice, food the prep flour, crap over the great northern yeah. beans. The, it's hilarious. Yeah, I have half gallon <laughs> mason jars with beans. And, like, like, I mean, we we full on go zombie apocalypse here. Like that's what I was really preparing for: was zombie apocalypse. Right. I mean, we, we're we're in for rice and beans for at least. A Which month. was more likely than nuclear war, like two weeks ago. It totally was. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it was like, when are we going to get the uh, the zombie variant? Yeah. Is that exactly. what I was totally waiting for? The zombie cron. Now we got a senile <laughs> old prick freaking trying to start. I, I, I got nothing. I mean, I got nothing for him. <laughs> I, I just want to survive day to day and. <laughs> You know, be able to uh, connect with the people I love. Oh, we might be better off sending Nancy Pelosi over there. Literally, like literally anybody. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, we, we we went from the B team to we thought we were sending. I don't know, not the B team, and then and, uh, and it was like, like the D team came out. Yeah, I know. We thought it's Kamala fun. was bad. I mean, he was like, "Here, hold my beer." You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go show you how it's done. <laughs> oh my god, so bad and. Uh, <laughs> You know, and if you're of a different opinion, it is what it is. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Our show. We can all have fun with it. We can. We can. And I got a ton of liberal friends, so I don't hate anybody. I don't either. I just, I just really don't want to have a war in my lifetime. No. Like not a nuclear war anyway. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like a little bit of truth. So. Yeah. You know, There's that. Yeah. Is what it is. All right. So we wrap this thing up. Yes, we can. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. All right. there's another question anywhere. If there's not, then no, we'll, no, wrap, we'll it up. wrap it up. Well, I want to thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, again, if you're listening on the replay, you can catch us live Monday nights on both YouTube and Facebook on the Great Insider page on both of those channels. And you can be here live and we answer your questions or do our best or at least read them over the air. And um, if you did catch us halfway in between or something, you can see us both on YouTube, Facebook, or you can go to iTunes or any of your podcast players. Look up the Racing Insiders podcast on the podcast players and you can find us there. So thank you so much for being here. Um, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Yeah. All right.